The following program gives personal opinions and is intended to provide entertainment and information only. It is not considered to be any form of legal, investment, appraisal, or inspection advice whatsoever. Listeners are encouraged to secure two to three bids from competing contractors for specific issues pertinent to their home or situation. Welcome to Real Estate Unveiled, where we pull back the shades to give you the truth and nothing but the truth about real estate with a laser focus on everything about home inspections and real estate appraisals. That's right. We're here to demystify the real estate process and take the fear and anxiety out of the equation to unearth the real scoop about home inspections and the real estate appraisal process. Oh, if homes could talk. Well, that's our job. I'm Tim Hance, board-certified master home inspector and owner of All Islands Home Inspections. And I'm Elizabeth Hance, Washington State certified real estate appraiser and owner of All Islands Appraisal. Consider us your truth tellers, unbiased ambassadors of and mouthpieces for the home. We're delighted to be here. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're excited to have Dan Dunn, manager at CAZ Environmental, experts in asbestos removal. CAZ Environmental samples and removes asbestos, lead, and mold in settings that range from mobile homes to mansions. Staff certifications include asbestos supervisors, asbestos workers, and AHERA inspectors. AHERA stands for Asbestos Hazard Emergency Response Act. The company was founded in 2013 and has 13 employees. You can reach Dan and CAZ Environmental at 360-389-1056 or www.cazenviro.com. That's C-A-Z-E-N-V-I-R-O.com. Dan, thanks so much for participating in our podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, so let's talk about asbestos. This is a common issue that comes up in home inspections and real estate appraisals. So let's just get right down to it. Uh, Liz has a question, actually. Uh, yeah. What is your service area, Dan? I, I don't think anywhere in that intro we addressed where you operate out of. Yeah, so we work um, primarily in northwest Washington. So that's everywhere from Point Roberts, uh, Salem Islands, Washington County, uh, Skagit County, Island County. Um, we have some clients that will do work as far away as, you know, southern King County. But generally, we kind of stick to this, this sort of Washington, Skagit County area. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. And thanks for clarifying that, Liz. So all the areas that we service, that's great. So let's talk about asbestos. Um, Dan, what is asbestos? Um, so asbestos is a, it's a naturally occurring fiber. Um, it's super tiny. Um, a one piece of asbestos you can't see with a, with a naked eye. You need a, a microscope that goes up to uh, 400 power. Um, so when you look at a product, just kind of look at it and tear it apart. won't really tell you if it has asbestos in it. Um, because it's so small, you really do need to test stuff uh, to to see if there is a, a fiber in there. Um, but the fibers themselves are are uh, very very thin and and fairly long, um, and were found uh, were mined out of the ground, you know, in a variety of different places. Are still mined uh, in in China and Russia, um, and were put into a, a huge variety of products uh, that were primarily installed, you know, in the 40s and 50s, uh, kind of post World War II era. Um, but are, are still in, in products you can buy on the market today. So it's still available today, but primarily in older homes. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the stuff that's in today um, uh, is things you can buy at, at Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, uh, there'll be, you know, gasket materials or caulks or roofing materials, those kind of things. Um, 
And uh, but they're they're more and more rare. I think more and more um, uh, manufacturers are you know realizing that it's it's a really large liability to put asbestos in the products. Um, but also in some cases it might be installed uh, inadvertently, like you might have a, a drywall compound that was uh, manufactured in in China and somewhere along the process you know it sort of got uh, some asbestos in there in there as well. Um, so when we're testing homes, we really are testing. Uh, every home, uh, homes were built 100 years ago, homes were built five years ago um, for asbestos. So kind of when in doubt, get it tested. So, you know, with with and with older homes, you know, one of the things that commonly comes up at, at home inspections is, uh, you know, we're going to get into right now kind of the typical areas where this comes out, kind of the tell signs of asbestos. Is it asbestos or not? And like you were saying initially, it really requires laboratory tele- or microscope analysis to determine if it's indeed asbestos, which is why a home inspector or a real estate appraiser will say apparent asbestos or asbestos-like materials. We won't be definitive about it because we can't tell without a microscope, which we're not trained to do. So we recommend that that be done by a laboratory. But, you know, like a popcorn textured ceiling in a house, that's that's a real common one that we see. Um, tell us about popcorn textured ceilings. Do they generally contain asbestos? Are there years that it was more prevalent or had higher concentrations? Or, you know, what? T- tell us your opinion about popcorn textured ceilings. Yeah, so um, a lot of uh, popcorn texture ceilings have asbestos in them. Um, uh, you know, as you said, it's one of those things where even even I, I'm a, a hair inspector, um, I can't look at it and just say, oh, that has asbestos or that doesn't have asbestos, or oh, because it's from you know 1964, it does. Because it's from 2009, it doesn't. Um, it really do have to take a sample and, and look at it. Um, and it was such a really, a really popular product for a long time. And, and, you know, in some places, uh, texturing still is a popular way of, of covering over drywall on a ceiling. Um, but without actually taking a physical sample of that and putting it under a microscope and looking at it, uh, you, you can't really determine whether it is or not. Um, there's a number of materials that the state, um, allows us to presume contain asbestos. Um, so they'll, uh, look at something and we can say, well, you know, I'm not saying it has asbestos. But I'm saying that, you know, 99% of the time uh, that that has uh, the, the, the state has said it, it has asbestos. So um, those things are uh, white tape that's on on ducts um, and then vinyl floors uh, that were installed back in the day. So you can always presume that somebody, something has asbestos as an inspector or as a homeowner. Uh, it's probably safer to presume it in order to prove that it doesn't. You really have to take the material and sample it under a microscope. So Dan, is there is there not a a time frame, an age of the house that we can at least use as a guide point for um, there there were more products with asbestos used prior to a certain date and not so many after? Yeah, you could probably look at it as sort of a bell curve um, in that uh, post World War II, there's a huge excitement during World War II um, asbestos is sort of this this miracle fiber. You know, it's fireproof, it's chemically resistant, it's waterproof, it's durable, it's got all the great, great strengths to it. Um, but, you know, at that time, so they started putting everything, everything they could put it in. There were roofs and siding and flooring and cars and rubber, all, all clothing, kids' clothing, toys, all kinds of stuff. Uh, flocking for trees um, at Christmas time. Um, and uh, so, you know, you're probably looking to say uh, the, the probably the most use. Uh, like the highest concentrations we see in it are sort of homes, you know, in the United States, 
that were anywhere from, you know, 1890 um, through about 1960 or so. On your bell curve, that's going to be the highest concentration. But they have these really long tails. Um, you know, asbestos as a material has been in use since like the ancient Greeks. They had it as a this kind of this magic, you know, fireproof material they could weave. Um, and, you know, it's still legal to, to buy, sell, and trade in the United States. Um, so you have these long tails on either end of that where there's still homes, materials that are being installed, still homes that will contain asbestos. Um, so just because a home was made in, was built in 1990, doesn't mean that it doesn't have any asbestos in it. Um, there's still a chance that it might have something. Okay, but are there certain products that, that you just don't find asbestos in any longer, like flooring, siding, those big ones? Bare, metal, uh, wood, and glass are the three things that I can unequivocally tell you contain no asbestos. Um, and it, it might, might feel like I'm being kind of pedantic and, and hitting this, this uh, over and over again, but um, every other material uh, that's going to be disturbed or that, that is unknown uh, needs to be tested. Um, as a uh, uh, as an inspector, uh, there might be some things where I might be comfortable taking liability for and saying I don't think this needs to be tested. Um, you know, and that would be you know if I looked at a product you know say a hundred times, looked the same uh, you know uh, uh, John's Bansville uh, unfaced fiberglass bat um, in an attic, same color, same type, same texture. I've looked at it a bunch of times, and if I personally I'm comfortable saying. I don't think that bat needs to be tested because I am 100% sure and I'm willing to stake my personal and professional reputation on the fact that this does not contain asbestos. The only downside to that is then if later somebody comes by and, and tests it or gets exposed and again, there is asbestos, uh, I am fully on the hook for, for that material having contained asbestos because I've said that it hasn't. So anybody who says this material does not contain asbestos needs to be able to either back it up with laboratory proof or needs to be able to be putting their, their personal professional uh, liability and reputation uh, on the line. Got it. So it's a highly litigious field is kind of what I'm hearing. And it's, you know, when in doubt, get it tested. It's possible, you know, we're on the low end of the spectrum here in 2019 uh, that it contains it, but it's, it's unlikely. But to definitively determine that, you really need to do a test. So, you know, Dan, tell me the significance of the year 1978. Homes built in 1978 or before 1978, that was kind of the cutoff year for asbestos-containing products, as I understand it, at least, in textured ceilings or ceiling tiles, that kind of stuff. Uh, is that, does that not, I mean, is that, that's, that's the date or age or... Fact or myth. Yeah, is that fact or myth? <laughs> uh, myth. Uh, 1978 was a cutoff for lead in paint. Um, for asbestos, there's no such cutoff. There's no date in which uh, asbestos was uh, 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 entirely stopped being used in, in houses. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it was continued to use. We still sample homes and we've had, uh, found asbestos in homes uh, as late as the 90s. Um, and uh, like I said, it's still in products that you can buy out there on the market. So um, that's very enlightening. It's a, that's a, something that I was not aware of. But now I have a, a question because it's, it starts to feel very overwhelming as a homeowner. It's like, can everything have asbestos in it? Is it a danger? So can you talk a little bit about how dangerous it is or how to, how, um, whether or not we should all be just super concerned that every product in every home is a potential asbestos carrier can you address sort of the concern that comes out of those statements of of the product is everywhere and there's no time frame we can rely on yeah yeah so to to, to uh, make it even uh more uncomfortable you know asbestos is a product where 
if you're exposed to it, um, the effects aren't felt for anywhere from 10 to 30 years later. So if something's you're exposed to it right now, you feel a harm right now, uh, and you're like, oh, I just uh, touched this flame, it was hot, I got burned. Um, with asbestos, you inhale it now, and you don't feel it until you get mesothelioma or whatever lung disease you have uh, a long time from now. So it's difficult to say, um, oh, you know, I think people have a difficult time like correlating the hazard with what's really happening because they don't see the actual harm like right at the point of contact. Um, so that being said, um, the products that are, the, the times that asbestos is really dangerous is when you're disturbing it. So for example, uh, you know, if I'm walking on a vinyl floor, so it's a vinyl sheet and underneath that is asbestos paper, um, you know, I can walk on top of that all day long. My risk of exposure is, is very low because the asbestos is sandwiched between the vinyl floor and the wood subfloor. It's stuck in there, and the chance of it uh, somehow working its way out is, is very low. However, if I reach down, grab that vinyl sheet, and, and tear it up, expose that, that asbestos paper that's underneath there, and those fibers start flying around, then my exposure is, is very high, and the chance of, of being exposed or inhaling asbestos fibers is very high. Um, thicknesses that are related to asbestos have uh, correlation and causation. So it's very clear that asbestos causes lung diseases like, like mesothelioma, and exposure to more asbestos is correlated with more disease, more lung disease. But that doesn't mean that one person exposed to one fiber is going to get a lung disease. It just means that the more fibers you're exposed to, the more chance you have of getting sick, and there's a clear link between asbestos fibers and, and lung diseases. Um, so if you're in your house and just kind of wander around doing your thing, um, you know, even if your house has asbestos in lots of stuff, uh, there's a low chance of inhaling fibers. Um, it's when those fibers are disturbed. So if you have white tape on ducts and that gets degraded or scratched away or, you know, braided by air, that's a concern. If, uh, you know, I've seen a house where there's a kid in bunk beds and on the top bunk, the kid was like picking away at all the popcorn and like scratching it with, with, with a pencil up there. Uh, that, that's a concern for exposure. Uh, roofing, ton of asbestos in roofs. Nobody really ever talks about it. So you're getting your house remodeled uh, and somebody's up there scraping away all the roofing off the roof. Uh, if that hasn't been sampled, um, then there's a high risk of exposure there. It's outdoor. You know, you're releasing all these fibers there, those, those kind of things. So if you're not disturbing a material, your risk of exposure to asbestos is low. If a, a, a material that contains asbestos is being uh, uh, disturbed or, or uh, you know, uh, ground away in some way, then your risk goes up. So for all of those do-it-yourselfers who like to start in on a home improvement project, do you have any advice for those who, for other than um, get every product that you're about to repart tested? Or is that really what's necessary? Just have maybe someone from your company come walk through the house with them because you have the expert knowledge of identifying certain types of materials? Is that what you would recommend? Yeah. So for somebody who's going to do it themselves, and whether that's a homeowner who's working in their own house, whether that's a contractor who's doing remodeling, um, find a way to, to test the material you're, you're looking at. Um, legally, the only way to have um, a testing that has a, a standing so that it would hold up in court would be to have an inherent inspector uh, come out to the job site and sample it um, and then write up a report that says, I sampled this material, for example, this popcorn ceiling, and I am staking, I, I, I had it tested, the test results came back as negative, and I am staking, you know, my personal reputation, my, my liability insurance, basically, on saying that this material doesn't have any asbestos. Um, 
if you want, you know, for informational purposes, people can send in um, uh, uh, bulk samples or lab lab samples as well. Um, so we have we have a service where you can drop a sample off. Uh, we'll analyze the sample and let you know if there's asbestos or not in there. The downside of that is that as an inherent inspector, if I'm not physically on site, I didn't take the physical sample myself. I can't say that oh, this sample came from this house and it's representative of this material. All I can say is this sample that you brought in does or does not contain asbestos. And that, that's about where, where my, my liability stops for that one particular sample. Then it's up to the person who brought it in to say, oh, this representative, this sample is representative of all this popcorn ceiling or all of this final floor. And if that person who's accepting liability for uh, that whole material not having asbestos, whereas if I go out as an Harris Spectre, I have liability for the materials and modulus areas that I, that I test. Um, so especially for people who are doing it yourself uh, and contractors, the other thing to think about is that if you do material and you do expose something or somebody uh, thinks that they were exposed, there's a whole uh, section of law that's involved in like, well, because this isn't a danger that you're exposed to, that, that, you, that you're going to get, you know, where you're going to get a disease right now, we don't really know what the disease is going to be. So, uh, you know, if there's a lawsuit, it's sort of like, well, we think you're going to get mesothelioma, um, and so we're going to sue you now to collect damages for an event that might happen in 30 years. We're not sure how severe that event's going to be. Um, so lawsuits from uh, employees who are working for a general contractor, from neighbors, from, you know, that guy who just walks through your house when you're in the middle of digging something up, those kind of things are a, a serious concern. Um, and, they're, you know, they, they can be big enough to put uh, somebody out of business or to, to, you know, cause them to have to, you know, sell their, their home or their assets or those kind of things. Um, so from my perspective, I feel like it's definitely better to like test any material that's going to be disturbed so that you know, and ideally you have an aspirant, a hair inspector test that material, um, and be able to give you a report that says this material is, does not contain asbestos. And then you can do whatever you want with it. Um, but there's also that opportunity to bring a sample in, um, to, to our lab or somebody else's lab. Um, and at least for informational purposes, you get an idea of does that sample itself contain asbestos or not. Right. So that this might be a good time to ask what those different types of sampling and testings might cost in the markets where you service. Um, yeah. So uh, when people drop off asbestos samples, um, it's $50 a sample. They drop it off here at our shop. Um, when we go out, um, it's generally a, 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 a charge to get out there. It might be 100 bucks, 150 bucks to get you know somewhere. And then it's just the same 50 bucks a sample. Um, so when we're sampling a house, we might have anywhere from 20 to 30 samples. Um, and uh, like if somebody's going to demolish a house. So if you're going to demolish a house, the requirement is that you have the home tested by a good faith inspector, generally that's an hair inspector. Um, so I would go through the house, sample everything that looks like it might contain asbestos, write a report and say this stuff contains asbestos, this stuff does not contain asbestos. And then the owner would remove the stuff that contains asbestos and they can demolish the house. Uh, so generally for that, you know, ballparking somewhere around a grand, anywhere from 500 to 1500, kind of depending on the, the size of the house. But for individual samples, uh, the cost would be 50 bucks per sample. So if the individual is deciding to remodel the house or demo a room, they should get the materials tested. They could do it themselves, exercising appropriate precautions, I'm sure. But can they dispose of the material themselves or does that need to have somebody like you or a company like you do that? Um, that is a good question. That is a gray area. So, um, all, anything that's asbestos material needs to be disposed, um, in, in an appropriate manner. And that means that in Washington, 
generally, eventually it goes, it gets uh, tagged as asbestos waste. Um, there's a form to fill out. There's a couple of companies that specifically handle asbestos waste and mostly gets taken down to a big uh, landfill in Roosevelt, Washington. Um, so asbestos waste has to go there because it's got a bunch of forms. Um, and so if it's lost somewhere along the way, somebody says, oh, this bag of asbestos is owned by this company or this individual or this homeowner, um, we can track it back and then they can pay for cleanup. Um, so yeah, so samples like that would need to be uh, treated in a, in a similar way. Um, once, uh, if a sample comes back as non-asbestos, then you just treat it as, as regular waste. Got it. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is, I mean, uh, so that we don't scare our audience unnecessarily here is that, you know, all the materials in the home, it's possible, right? It's possible that there might be asbestos in it. There are certain materials that are more known to have asbestos. And those include, in my experience, and Dana, you know, please cut in here if this is wrong, but uh, vermiculite insulation up in an attic, which is kind of a gold mica looking material up in an attic that likely contains asbestos or almost always does. Uh, vinyl floor tiles that you were talking about or vinyl flooring um, of certain eras, right? But, but, but then again, it also could, like Dan's saying, it could be, you know, it's possible even in the modern era that some do the, the textured popcorn ceilings, that's a real common one. People always want to, in today's age, they want to get rid of those and scrape them. And I always advise them to have it tested before doing so. Presume that it has asbestos until proven otherwise. Uh, you'll look at some of the older homes that have uh, shingles. Those shingles that kind of look like a quarter inch thick or so. Uh, historic home, they look like hardy shingles, but they're not because hardy board wasn't around. Cement fiber, it's likely contains asbestos. Uh you know, Dan was talking about roofing. Roofing products often contain that. And then, of course, furnace ducting and pipe wrap that you'll see in basements or throughout a house. It's kind of this white wrap or tape that goes around uh, the metal ducting joints. Oftentimes, uh, I presume that too contain asbestos and call it out as an asbestos-like material. Isn't that usually sort of cream or white colored? Looks like athletic yeah, it, tape or paper mache or some kind yeah. of... Yeah, or it can, uh, like but it can you be, like it, you broke your leg and they wrapped it up. Yeah, and it can be painted over too, though. So, okay, yeah. and 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 again, like Dan was saying, this all kind of goes back to whether it is what well, we use the term in the industry called friable, which means easily crumbled. So if it's falling apart or disturbed, or you can introduce it into the air and breathe it, then it's a safety issue. But if it's encapsulated, sealed, well maintained, and you're not disturbing it, then that's not a health or safety issue. Dan, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. For the, for the list of uh, items that commonly um, uh, uh, contain asbestos, I would add uh, caulking around windows, uh, so both between the glass and the wood, and then the actual caulking around the windows. Um, and then uh, also I'd add drywall and, and mud, uh, the mud and on, on the scenes from the drywall. Those are common things to find in there as well. Um, in terms of what's dangerous and not, Certainly, if you have any of those materials that are, like you said, uh, friable, or they also call it uh, non-intact in, in different languages, um, and those are materials that are uh, easily crushable under hand pressure or are, are, are falling apart or degraded in some way, those are things that you would definitely call out as a health and safety, like an immediate health and safety concern. Um, finding something like the siding you're talking about, you know, there's siding on, on a, on a our building, um, it's sort of these, yeah, like you said, sort of hardy board, but it's in you know, smaller kind of pieces. Um, if they're just sitting there, like not a huge concern unless you disturb them. Like that can sit on a building for years and uh, have a low risk of causing some kind of a lung disease. 
um, you know, you start drilling through those or breaking up and crushing whatever that, that, that risk goes, goes up. So when we refer to the roofing material, is that mostly an asphalt looking roof that might have asbestos composition? Yeah, we found it in a, in a variety of things. Um, on a flat roof, you know, the kind of the, the, the torch down, um, both the, the paper and then the actual uh, material that, that they use to, to kind of melt on top of it, the tar. Um, we found it in uh, the underlayment on comp roofs, so on a sloped roof, like a, like a typical, typical residential house. Uh, we found it in the comp as well on older homes. Um, and then especially on mobile homes, a ton of asbestos on mobile home roofs, um, both in the silver steel, which is sort of a white painted material that goes over the seams, and then in the caulking and putty around the perimeter, like at the drip edge, uh, and then obviously on the windows as well. Great. And another area, and I, I think this is, is right, but correct me if I'm wrong. How about the artificial embers and ashes in gas fireplaces? I understand that those might contain asbestos too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tons of those. Any, anywhere where they might have conceivably had heat or had a need for fireproofing, uh, they, they probably, you know, good chance that they use asbestos there. So uh, around uh, furnaces, you know, where, where, where a furnace door closes, old uh, uh, boilers, um, uh, in the boiler closets or the furnace closets, around water heaters, um, lots of gasketing, uh, all, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, and you brought up vermiculite as well, which is a great thing as well. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of vermiculite has as well. And the difficult thing with the vermiculite is that the asbestos was mined in conjunction with the vermiculite, not specifically added to it. So when you're sampling it, you need to have a really big sample. Um, and even then, it, because it sort of spread unevenly throughout the material, uh, you might have a little chunk of pure tile over here and then no uh, no asbestos over here. Um, so it's hard to uh, know that vermiculite is it does not contain asbestos at all. But yeah, uh, anywhere where you have heat or likely to have heat, uh, there's, a, there's definitely a higher chance of having asbestos in that material. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying that. And again, as long as it doesn't become airborne, if you don't disturb it and it's encapsulated or otherwise undisturbed, it's not a health issue. Another great resource is from the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, you can go to their website, www.epa.gov forward slash asbestos. And they have a lot of great information there about, you know, products in the home that typically contain asbestos and recommendations um, uh, that homeowners can use to uh, uh, assess asbestos and to deal with it. And there's a lot of great information there for homeowners. Okay, it's a wrap. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it informative or helpful, please give us a thumbs up or please give us a like and review online. This really helps get our message out and build audience. And we really appreciate that. Special thanks to Dan Dunn and CAZ Environmental for participating in this podcast. Again, you can reach CAZ Environmental at 360-389-1056 or www.cazenviro.com. Remember, when in doubt, get it tested. Special thanks as always to David Baker with Cellar Rat Recording, www.cellarratrecording.com for studio and production. If you're looking for a top-notch real estate appraisal, please contact Elizabeth Hance, my wife, at 360-317-5845 or www.allislandsappraisal.com. And if you're looking for a home inspection for a commercial or residential building, please contact Tim Hance at 360-298-1163 
or www.allislandsinspections.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or suggestions for interviews or future topics, please let us know. 